Joe Burrow under center on first and 10 from the 25. Burrow now scrambling, fires deep downfield for Higgins. Oh, Chucks baby. up, pushes nice. over his defender, catches the ball, <laughs> runs it into the end zone. There's no There's penalty no, flag. No. A 75-yard touchdown. Burrow to Higgins he, as he knocked over Jalen Ramsey really. and ran it into the end zone to give the Bengals the lead. Fourth and one, shotgun snap low, picks it up, left tackle block. Here comes Donald, and he spins Burrow around, who then tried to throw it away. The Rams celebrating on the near side. On downs, it goes to L.A. Just crush my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I do want to say congratulations to Humberto. He won the You Pick'em contest we were running here at Lotus throughout the football season. He is the winner. He won prizes worth of $500 thanks to his picks. If we do it again next year, make sure you sign up and play because you could be Humberto. But good job. Congratulations to Humberto for winning that Super Bowl time again. Love it. Do you? I love Super Bowl time. You don't like the halftime show. Well, the halftime show. Take out take out that half what hour. What do you love? Take out the half hour that is designed to get people who don't like football to watch the Super Bowl. Brilliant. And I, well, I mean, as a marketing strategy, of course, you know, but Brilliant. as far as a football fan like myself, who doesn't really yeah. like pop music. The sanctity of the game can't be interrupted. It's not the sanctity. It's just the fact that the I'm a sanctity. I'm a crabby dude. That's what it is. It's not, I'm not talking about the sanctity. I worst. get it. I You're get it. I am. I worst. am. You don't market to me ever. Yes. All right. More important question for you. What do you think of the Rams going all in, building with first round draft picks? Like, I'm excited to watch another team try it and fail spectacularly. This is why I like what they did. I mean, when you have a player like Aaron Donald, you can afford to do that on defense. You can afford to trade a future, f- several future first round picks for the best cornerback in football and, and have it work out because a quarterback is only as good as a pass rush. And, you know, and that's basically you got the best as a player and you got the best cornerback that right there is a genius move. You get a player like Matt Stafford on some trades, you trade your, your former first overall pick for another first overall pick. And I, you know, you, you thought it was more of a, you didn't think it was a lateral move, but it wasn't that much of a step up. I thought it was a big step up to get Matt Stafford. And then you get a guy like uh, Von Miller, who's always been amazing. The only thing that's always, the only thing that's held Von Miller back from being considered like an all time great is injuries. And he's still considered an all time great by some people. He's amazing. So it's like right there. I just think that when you luck out and you get a player like Aaron, Don- like Aaron Donald, it just opens up so many doors for you. And I think once you have that player that you can build around and who is that distru- disruptive, then it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit, it's a little bit easier to go, okay, we can afford to make this gamble. We can afford to gamble away the future. The interesting part about the Rams is in football, a lot of the conversations about, because there's a salary cap, about sort of value and how to build a roster and the best way to do it and all that. A lot of it comes down to how many players are replaceable by just an average football player, right? Running backs, the position that's talked about the most in this regard, because for the most part, you can plug in any average NFL running back and you're going to get the same production as most of the good running backs in football. It's not really running back dependent. It's offensive line and scheme driven, but the same is true for other positions as well. What's interesting about the Rams. Oh, and 
the point of all that is to say, generally speaking, draft picks are good because those guys are cheaper. And if you can get the similar production out of a first or second round pick as you can from a free agent, you were going to pay $25, $30 million. The draft picks are more valuable. The Rams traded all theirs away. And that's what's interesting here is, okay, Aaron Donald, not replaceable, right? You can't just get Aaron Donald production, right? Can we say that about Von Miller? I mean, he certainly was at one point, but Von Miller was pretty good. Like, I don't know that he was irreplaceable, but he certainly gave that next level. Jalen Ramsey sort of did the same type of thing. Stafford is replaceable by some, but quarterback is a more scarce position. So it's harder to get there, but it's just normally we talk about wanting draft picks because they're cheaper and because they can give you the same value. They can replace somebody that is really good, but is making, you know, too much money for a salary cap sport. And the Rams did the exact opposite. The Rams did not care too much about the draft picks. Now, one of the points that was made last week over and over, the Rams have hit on late round picks. The Rams have had a lot of really productive players that they've drafted outside of the first round in the third and fourth round and stuff like that. And that's key too, right? Because you've got to hit on draft picks yeah. somewhere for it to work. When your third round pick at wide receiver ends up winning the triple crown in the one season. Crown. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. The season Cooper cup has had is incredible. And he it was is. also very good with Jared Goff too. So it's like you get a guy like Stafford, then all of a sudden Cooper cups value just skyrockets. He was, I mean, unbelievable this year. Yeah. I mean, he had nine, he had 1900 yards in the regular season. He had, he had his, his he had one other season in his career over a thousand, and it was like eleven hundred or something like that. He had nineteen hundred this year. The one thing that I thought yesterday was with Cooper Cup and would really impress me is the Bengals knew they were going to Cooper Cup the entire time. That last drive, they knew they were going to Cooper Cup every single time, and they could not stop him. They couldn't come up with a scheme that would stop him. You know what's fascinating? His first touchdown catch. Cooper Cup's wide open in the back of the end zone. Yeah. The Rams are inside the 10-yard line, and they are not, like, just, That's what I'm getting at. How How is, okay, Rams inside the 10. You have to have at least one guy that is just to guarding Cooper Cup. That's not, not even, he's not even looking at play action, because what I can't, was it Eli Apple? Somebody bit on play action, and that's why Cooper Cup was wide open. That how how does that happen? Like you've got to at least have one of your eleven defenders be like it doesn't matter if they actually hand it off, you just stay with Cooper Cup the entire time. If you get beat, all right, you get beat. But Cooper Cup was just wide open. Like well, it's d- not it's not like they ran it and it was the backup tight end that has two catches all year snuck open. It was Cooper Cup. But that was the that was the gamble they played. They wanted to put Eli Apple. On the number one wide yeah, receiver this year, that's who you went with. Their best corner. Who else are they going to put on him? Did anyone else feel like kind of weirded out by the Eli Apple redemption? Like, oh, Eli Apple has gone through so much, and now here he is playing in a Super Bowl. And I'm like, he he has. I just thought he played bad for a couple of years, and then I missed that. Was that a storyline? That was a storyline oh. that I kept hearing, and I was like, oh my, I, God. What, who you Jared, hear that storyline? 20 times every Super Bowl with so many players. It's like there's a lot of players that were on terrible teams. They make it to the Super Bowl and like they did it all on their own. Too. <laughs> like they, That's my favorite part. I they made, signed that contract. Yeah, like they made it like Larry Ogan Joby went from the Browns and went to the Bengals. And that's what propelled the Bengals to the <laughs> this, Super Bowl. Yes. It's, yes. Larry Ogan Joby. Thank you. Eli Apple was in talks to come to the Raiders, but he, he held off. 
Yeah. Now he's in the Super Bowl. Now he's there. It's like, yeah, because of some things that were completely out of your hands, now you get to play in the Super Bowl, and now somebody's got to make a story about it? Like, is that like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I don't like how we crowbar drama into things. That's the one thing that kills me about some of this stuff. Like, Eli Apple is a complete non-entity in the Super Bowl. You could have had anybody covering Cooper Cup. You could have had anybody mess up those. That's what I'm saying, yes. You could have put anybody out there, and I personally think Cooper Cup would have shook him anyway. He's proven that he could dominate a game. All right, important question for you. Did the refs change that game? I, I see. I, the T, the T Higgins touchdown was so egregious. It was so funny. It was so funny because Jalen Ramsey looked up and he was just like, are you, did you not just see that my face mask was over the top of my nameplate? Did you not see that? I mean, he looked like he couldn't believe it. And then I, even when, even when I saw, I'm like, wait a minute, Jalen Ramsey just fell down. Nobody saw something. Even when the touchdown was happening, like, I think that might. That looked a little weird. And then they showed what happened. You're like, whoa. And then at the end where, yes, that holding call on Cooper Cup was dookie. That was straight garbage. <laughs> it was garbage. But it's not like it was the last play. Wasn't it like on second down? It wasn't like it was a third or fourth down. And then the next play that there was a holding call, there was legitimate holding it. Granted, a light call. But the one thing that really confused me was the two calls that they called at the end. For the most part, the refs swallowed the whistle. Right. But those last two calls? Yeah, that's that's the only part that's fascinating is that there were basically no calls the entire game. Like, it was a penalty-free game for the most part. I think it was. So, before that Rams final drive, there had been four penalties the entire game. And then on that Rams, in the and then there were four flags thrown in three plays on the Rams final drive. Now, two of them were offsetting, so they didn't technically count as penalties. But, like, they literally doubled the amount of penalties they called on one drive alone, if they had called it that way the entire time, a, we'd probably be complaining about that today because the refs would have ruined the game. But if they'd been calling it the entire time, we probably don't think too much of it, but just because there had been virtually no calls whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, eh, yeah, he's got his hand around his waist or something. Right. Throw the flag. It eh, was, even though I think the Rams still probably score. I see. I think they'd still score because, Probably. again, that 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 one play where they were offsetting Cooper got helmet to helmet. So I mean, it's like uh, he and, jumped and, and, up into a helmet to helmet. Right. Okay. But I mean, but there was still a flag yeah. there, yeah. and and he got boosted and got back up, went out there and did the same damn thing again. I mean, it's like you got to give what him credit. Concussion and, protocol. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, it's a helmet to helmet hit. Oh, nope. Nope. Son, yeah. where are you going? You, yeah. we're, we're playing a game out here. After he won the Super Bowl, he was kind of like, "What do you?" He's like, "I just want cherry." What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? A lot of those penalties were kind of weird, but the one that was the one that I, I, I just want to talk about is the guy runs on the field. Oh, Vernon Hargraves! Yes. And it's just like not in the game. You're not, not in the game. You're not active. Don't run on the field. What were you that doing? Was it's literally that was the dumbest penalty. Where's the prop bet for will an inactive player get a penalty? Like if I'm Zach Taylor, like how do you not? I'm just, how I'm, do you not? Like how are you not still punching him God, in the face? So like great. this morning, how are you still not blasting like, him? The coaches always say like, oh, we need to clean up our avoidable mistakes. That's one of those. That's like, about that's as, like, that is the worst <laughs> in the Super Bowl. 
Like that's what I'm saying. It's like I, we've seen we've seen penalties, we've seen dumb things on the sidelines. Absolutely, I have never seen something like that in the Super Bowl where a guy on the sideline who's injured and dude, he doesn't look a hundred percent jumping with them either. He's injured. Like he's kind of doing like kind of a yeah. skip hop. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, you're gonna tear it all over again, celebrating with your teammates. Settle down. At least wait until you win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's to the go, other thing. To go re-injure yourself yes. celebrating. Look, man, an interception in the end zone uh, for the defense has got to be one of the most amazing feelings. But you weren't on, you the, weren't field on the field when it happened. Can't even fake I mean, it like you were in a helmet and pads. You were quickly on the field, <laughs> yeah. and that's the problem. That's the equivalent of like a player's mom running on the field and just going, that's my baby. I'm oh, so happy for we him. Need, yeah. We need Odell's dad running Oh, on the field. yes. Get that dad out there. Odell, got a hot mom. All right. <laughs> I'm on it. And now we're going to break. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Son, I didn't understand a word you just said. Bischoff's Briefs. Hey, thanks. That is not a compliment. Ah, I disagree. Bischoff's Briefs. Okay, well, that was just a list of complete nonsense, but you're not totally wrong. Bischoff's Briefs. Even though Monday after the Super Bowl... Got to get into UNLV basketball for all the running Rebel fans out there. They lost Friday to Boise State, 69-63. to uh, UNLV had the lead at halftime. They played relatively well, considering the circumstances. Don't have their number two score, Donovan Williams, playing one of the better teams in the Mountain West on the road. Uh, but they still ended up losing. Bryce Hamilton had 32 points on 12 of 24 shooting. His fifth 30-point game in the last eight games. He has been incredible for UNLV uh, has it, it hasn't stopped yet. Like I'm still sort of waiting for eventually he's going to come back to earth a little bit and it, it has not happened yet. Uh, but if you're doing some quick math there, he scored 32 team at 63. He's outscored the rest of his teammates in that game. Donovan Williams didn't play. Uh, he's the number two scorer on this team, which left pretty much only Bryce Hamilton and it almost worked. But that really is the problem. The formula only works if Bryce Hamilton is awesome the entire game. What happened against Boise State, Bryce Hamilton in the first half was incredible, right? Second half, he was kind of average. And that was kind of the difference in the game. First half for Bryce Hamilton, 18 points on 7 of 11 shooting. Hit all of his threes, had just one turnover. Second half, still scored 14 points, but 5 of 13 shooting. Had three turnovers, three fouls, right? Still good. Like, you're still 14 points on 5 of 13 shooting. That's it, it's not it's still good. Like, you're taking that, right? But it's just good. It's not amazing like he was in the first half. And that was the difference for UNLV. First half, they were incredible. They had 1.2 points per possession. I know you love points per possession over there. You look yeah, confused. Very analytical. But when you think Gooch. They scored 1.2 points per possession. Boise State as a team this year has not given up 1.2 points per possession in a game the entire year. UNLV did that for a half against one of the best defenses in the country, right? Second half, 0.8 points per possession. That's very bad. Only one time, only one team has held UNLV under that this entire season. It was San Diego State. And it goes back to A, Bryce Hamilton being the only scorer on the team when Donovan Williams is out, and B, the difference in Bryce Hamilton being awesome and the difference in Bryce Hamilton being good. When he's awesome, they can beat a Boise State. When he's just good, they can't beat Boise State because they don't have enough around him at the moment, right? Donovan Williams getting healthy helps that a lot. But he had, the formula right now without Donovan Williams 
is that Bryce Hamilton has to be awesome and they've got to play good defense, right? If Bryce Hamilton is just good, they're not winning against good teams in the conference. A couple other things. One, free throw attempts in that game. Boise State took 29. UNLV took seven. Very big disparity. Um, I don't actually think, I didn't have much of an issue with the fouls. I don't think this was a, like the refs deciding the game or anything or the refs favoring them because first off, you know, he has a lot of foul prone players. Royce Ham, Keyshawn Gilbert and Donovan Williams are all top 12 in the mountain West and fouls per minute played. Victor Ewalker would be number one if he had played enough minutes to qualify. So they've got four guys on this team that foul at a really high rate, right? It's, it's been a problem all year. E. Walker fouled out. Royce Ham finished with four. I don't think there's too much to Boise State having that many free throws. They take the second most in the conference, and their strategy was clearly to beat UNLV up inside. That's what they tried to do. They got a bunch of uh, paint touches. They got a lot of shots at the rim, got a lot of free throws. You could maybe look at UNLV only taking seven and say that's a little bit of concern, but UNLV only attempted 10 layups in the game. UNLV was not attacking the paint, attacking the rim, because Boise State's just big. That's a big team. It's hard to score inside on them. So UNLV was a jump shooting team in that game because that's what Boise State turns you into. 29 to 7 is a big number for free throw attempts, but I don't actually think there was too much wrong with it. I think it was okay. And then the last thing on UNLV's loss to Boise State. They had a seven-point lead at halftime. Pretty good number. First five minutes of the second half, they got outscored 12 to 4. They went from winning by 7 to losing by 1. Victor Ewalker got a technical foul that took away a UNLV layup and Bryce Hamilton got called for three fouls in five minutes and they had five turnovers. They had more turnovers than points scored. They had more fouls than points scored in that five minute stretch. It's probably the worst five minutes of basketball you'll ever see. <laughs> in all seriousness, it probably is the worst five minutes that they have, they have played all year and probably will be the worst five they play the entire season. And it's pretty much why they lost. I mean, they had a seven, they had seven points is a, is a decently sized lead in, in basketball, especially when you're the underdog on the road and they managed to throw it all away in five minutes. Not even like a, Hey, hold on to it until we're at the three minutes until there's five minutes left in the game. They threw it all the way in five minutes and then they were playing catch up pretty much the rest of the way. I think when you put all of your winning on one player being exceptional, right? I think you're always going to have this. You're always going to oh, have this is. argument. It is. And that's, the uh, problem they're running into, partly because of injuries, right? Donovan Williams being out, it's a big deal. If they have Donovan Williams, it's a different conversation because there's somebody else that can be good. There's somebody else that can score. Right now, it's just Bryce Hamilton, and there's not a second good offensive score. They've had a, they've had a few guys every now and then step up and have like a 12-point outburst, right? Where it's like, oh, he's averaging six, and he went for 12 today. But that's really it, and that's not enough to beat a good team, right? Like when they played... Air Force or San Jose State, right? They don't need Bryce Hamilton to be awesome. Other guys are able to score against the bad teams of the Mountain West, but Boise State's really good. And they play Fresno State, who's pretty good. Like when they play a good team in the Mountain West, Bryce Hamilton has to be incredible for the entire game, or somebody else has to have a monster night that you don't see coming. And that hasn't happened too much. So it's, it's not a good formula to win at the moment against good teams, but it's a good formula to hang around. It's a good formula to beat bad teams see this is where college basketball kind of loses me because it's like you in the end in the nba you can build off one superstar or not i wouldn't say a superstar but you can say have like one really good player and go okay we can actually just hope to have 
the other player return from injury next season, and then maybe we can build off this. But this is college. Like once it's right. over, it's over. Right. Like you have this one year to do something, and then you're off to the right. you're off to the league. Bryce Hamilton, uh, he can come back for another year if he wants because of COVID. Um, if he wants, I'm curious what his draft status. I'm curious what his draft status will be because he uh, went through the draft the pre draft process last year because you can put your name in the draft and get feedback and then pull out and come back to college. He did that last year and presumably the feedback was he wasn't going to get drafted. Otherwise he would have stayed and gotten drafted. Do you think it wasn't right. going to get drafted or wasn't going to get drafted into the first round? Wasn't going to get drafted. Okay. He, I think he's gone hundred percent. If he, if they told, if he got told by teams, we'll take you in the second round. He's gone. I think know that about it, but it wasn't going to get drafted. And he's told us like, cause we've asked him like, what did the scouts tell you and all that? And it, two things, shooting and defense. Those are the two things he had to get better at. His defense, eh, I wouldn't say he's, he's gotten, I guess he's gotten better from his freshman year, but he's still not like a, you would not, you would not confuse him for a good defender, right? Average, maybe in college basketball defender, but his three point shooting has gotten significantly better. He is shooting extremely well this year. Like in conference plays over 40%. This is a guy who was a career, like 29, 30% shooter from three. If that's real, right? If, if that's legitimate that he's now all of a sudden, like a 38% three point shooter or something. He might get drafted like that. That'll change his draft status because that's a, that was a big hole in his game. And that's obviously one of the most important things to be able to do in basketball is shoot threes. If that's real, if he's legitimately a 38, 40% college three point shooter, he might actually get drafted. That'll make a big difference in his draft status, but it's, it's hard. For, I don't quite know how scouts will look at it. Will they say, well, we've got four years of data here and you're, you were bad for three of them and good for one. So we're not just going to be like, oh, you're good now. Or will they say, Hey, you got better. We're taking him now. I don't know. So we'll see what Bryce Hamilton's draft status is after the season. Cause that'll go a long way in determining if he comes back. Cause if they tell him again, you're not getting drafted. He might come back for another year and play again. If they tell him, Hey, yeah, we might take you in the second round. He's probably gone. Right. So we'll see. Yeah. You kind of hope that something happens. I would love to see more players from UNLV make it to the, make it to the league as it would just improve. They got Christian Wood oh, playing God. for the Houston Rockets. It would improve. Patrick McCall won three titles. It would improve. It would improve recruiting so much if we became a factory for the league. Well, if you recruited well, then you'd be a factory for. The yes, I want that. Yeah. Can't we do this? I think you got the order backwards. You got to uh, do the recruiting first. Yes, I look. I, I'm trying to find a quick solution to this, and there is no quick solution. It's been eight years yes. since they've been in the NCAA tournament. And the I think UNLV has happening. been trying to find the quick solution, they and have. that's why. <laughs> well, they need to, what they need to do is invest in a better bag man. Like oh. our ba- I, I can't imagine our bag men are very good. Hire Ed Ogeron. Okay. Start, yeah, getting, I mean, a... start getting guys transferred to prisons. Yes. <laughs> the Ed Ogeron prison network. Make that, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Tap into that bag of tricks, <laughs> UNLV. <laughs> All right. Coming up next. Ed he joins the show. Here's a play fake. A roll right. Cooper cuts in the end zone. Stafford sees him. Back pylon caught. Cooper clutch. The most complete receiving season in NFL history now includes a Super Bowl touchdown. Touchdown, Cooper Cup. Touchdown, LA for a 13-3 lead with 12.51 to go before the half. Stafford from under center, steps back, throws the fade, back shoulder, Cooper Cup's got it! Cooper Cup brings it in! Touchdown! Touchdown! Touchdown LA! With 1.25 remaining, 
The Rams are back on the high side. 15 plays, 79 yards. Matthew Stafford's done it again. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show. Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Ed, are you there? Let me guess. That was the Bengals uh, radio network. <laughs> We're kind of confused. Do the Rams not have a color commentator? I don't know. That guy seemed to talk all the entire yeah. time. He not to want anyone else to talk there. Yeah, it's his, his moment. Every, he cut, killed right. everybody else's mic right. for that moment. Yeah, he did. Jared, kill all the mics except mine. <laughs> Ed, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you, when, when are you at the airport right now? Uh, no, shortly. Shortly uh, we'll be there. Are we going to yeah. delay you from being there six hours in advance? Uh, no, it won't be six. It'll be two. Oh, look at you cutting it close. Yeah, yeah I'm changing. I'm changing. Wait, are you going with Adam or Heidi? No, I am not. Ah, okay. Uh, different flights. Okay. I was hoping they were going to be like upset with you for trying to get there too early. Oh no! Well, Adam would just not go with me. He would just like go. He would just take his own car. He, he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't go with me at all. He would laugh at me if I said, "Let's go two hours early." By the way, what what was Adam <laughs> doing? Super Bowl last night? man, it's to be crowded. What was Adam doing last night? Like um, after the game, all I see is tweets from him, like just random streets in L.A. where there's just crowd. Was he just wandering through the streets? See, let with me just crowds? let me just explain the story about Adam Hill. Okay, I went to high school with Adam. Yes. Adam and Hill, we've known each other a very long time. One time, him and I went to Hawaii for a wedding. Okay, for a mutual friend wedding. Um, he, I went back to my room and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go walk around for a little bit." Keep in mind, he had dress shoes on and he's walking like miles. And Adam is not what you would call a light man. <laughs> Okay, he gets back and he's got a blister the size of a softball almost. <laughs> and instead of just like popping it, he like rips it off and he walks the rest of the weekend and he's like, ah, ah. and I'm like, yeah, that's probably why because you, you don't wear shoes like that when you go walk long distances, because that's the thing. He'll just get he'll just get a drink and he will go. He'll just he'll just go where the wind blows him. It's the craziest thing. He loves to walk. You're right. Um, last night, being the intrepid reporter that he is, got back to the hotel and he said, you know, I've seen on social media there's a lot of unrest down by, you know, well, what once was Staples Center. Now it's, I think, a bank or something, something sponsored it. But anyway, down by the convention center, he goes, I'm going to go check it out in case, you know, there's news, in case something really, really bad happens. Uh, he went down there. I think, I think the police in L.A. learned their lesson with the Lakers last year when it got totally out of hand because I guess this time they were really out in force and anything that happened, they were all over it. So I don't think anything happened at them. I haven't heard from him. Uh, I heard from him last <laughs> yeah. night twice. Adam is the uh, only guy. Adam is the only guy I know that will go sightseeing in Inglewood. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but I give him credit. He walked everywhere this week. He walked to and from the convention center every day. So he does like to walk. He likes two things about him. He likes Starbucks every morning. He can't miss that, and he'll walk anywhere. So I give him credit. All right. Who'd you vote for for MVP? We didn't get a vote. So oh, I, I, who uh, I don't. They just who voted? someone. Someone just announced it. I assume the beat writers for the teams in it and oh. probably the LA guys, I'd assume. Okay. I assumed it would I, I assume the entire press box would get a vote. No. Oh. Way too many people. They couldn't count that vote. They couldn't unless they did it electronically. Yeah. Um, but we didn't we didn't get a vote. So they just they just announced it at the end when the Rams were about to take the trophy, they announced it in the press box that he had won it. Wow. Okay. That's uh maybe it was maybe it was rigged. I'm very concerned about the integrity of this MVP trophy now. <laughs> I'm sure you are. It's very, very concerning. Um I have another important question for you. Which side of the field we're on? Did you get to see the halftime show or did you get to watch the back of boxes? 
I walked straight. We were right to the right. Well, we were to their left, but we were in front of it. Okay, so you got to you yeah. actually got to see the halftime yeah. show as opposed and to half they, the stadium. The first thing they did in in any Super Bowl I've ever been to, they actually piped in the noise of the press box beforehand. Had we ever been in a indoor press box for the Super Bowl, like we couldn't hear it, like we just watched it. But this time they piped in all the on the music and everything, so it was pretty cool. Good experience. Uh, Gooch over here has the hot take. The only one on the planet I've heard say he did not like it. To be fair, though, Grainy, I don't like any halftime show. I don't like it. Just show me a dog chasing a Frisbee. <laughs> give me some people spinning some plates. I don't give a rat's ass about who's singing on stage. I don't care. That is, as Tyler said, the first person I've heard say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> show me show me a guy on a BMX bike doing some front flips or something. It's better than 50-year-old Dr. Dre talking about gangster stuff. Like, come on, man. Uh, Ed, was Vernon Hargraves running on the field while injured and inactive and getting a penalty the funniest part of the game? It, it might have been. I'm trying, I'm trying to think because who was that the guy running on the field when they yeah. had a tackle? No. Uh, the interception. the interception in the end zone. He ran off the oh, bench on yeah, the field. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was uh, that was. Uh, there weren't many funny parts. But I I don't know what you guys thought. I thought it was an okay game. There were some there were some moments, but and you can tell me this because I heard um, there were two or three tweets that I saw that said even Michaels and Collinsworth were treating it like a mid September game. Like now I don't know if that's true. Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, it just didn't yeah. have kind of. I know that you know Stafford had the drive and. You know, Donald was really good in the end, and they were pressuring him and everything. I, I thought Burrow played okay. He, he got he, he missed some throws, but then again, he's looking up, and there's Aaron Donald in his face the entire second half. So that that kind of like throws you off. I just didn't walk away saying, "Man, that was that was a terrific game." Like I didn't I didn't think that at all. Yeah, it was fine. Like it was it was, okay. it, was a, it was a close game. We got yeah. a, a game winning score in the final two minutes, yeah. but it, you're right, it wasn't. It didn't have like great moments, I don't think. Like the T. Higgins no. touchdown even was marred because he face smashed Jalen Ramsey. Well, because he, he, he grabbed Jalen Ramsey's face mask <laughs> and pulled him down. That that and it, you know it's and they there were a couple false starts, but you thought okay they're going to keep it in their pockets, which is good because it's a Super Bowl. You don't want to be you know you don't want to be uh, totally inundated with officials, but in the end, you know they do the makeup on the one call and. Um, although Logan Wilson was holding cup. So I didn't like, you didn't disagree with a ton of the calls, but it's just ironic that, you know, when you saw all of them, it was on the the very last game when he drive. I'm excited to get you back, Ed. Yeah, I'll be back tomorrow. I, I, I thank uh, Adam Candy and Gooch. I really thank you guys. Um, I'm sorry about the wake-up calls. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to get you back either because <laughs> there is no extra compensation. I'm just doing this for the love of the game, Eddie. Come love on. Of the game. <laughs> Listen to you, the love of the game. All right, for the those, like uh, of the game. For the like of the game. Those wake-up calls can be tough, man. Even 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 those who have to do it every day. So I, I appreciate you doing this. Well, thank you, bro. I'm happy to do it. I like being here, even though... Is it safe to say that Tyler's a curmudgeon? Um, You're more of a curmudgeon today than me. Today I am. Today I am. You literally had the hot take that Tom Brady's coming back because he has to spend time with his kids, Yeah, he's going to find out he hates exactly. his kids and yeah, come exactly. back come out of retirement. Yeah. His so, yeah. kids that he kisses on the lips. Yeah. yeah, I can't stand these punks that look like me. Right. He's going he's <laughs> gonna, he's gonna to be like, I got to do this 18 hours every day? No oh, thanks. Oh, God. I'm going back to football. Yeah, how old's the youngest kid? I'll just do that until they graduate high school, and then 
Like he can he can pawn Gronk off yeah, exactly. on somebody else. He can't pawn his kids off yeah, on I'll somebody call, else. I'll, I'll retire from football when my kids can only visit me on holidays. Perfect. Is that pretty much yes, where you're at? Okay. That's what I'd be trying to accomplish. <laughs> no doubt about it. Um and non-Super Bowl related. And we'll do more of this tomorrow. Should the Raiders give Derek Carr an extension? I say yes, depending on how long it is. Okay. Find out tomorrow how long Ed Grady thinks <laughs> Get that to the bottom of that, Ed. <laughs> Ed, I wanted to ask, because I don't believe we've still aired it, because it is going to require a ton of editing, but how excited were you to talk to the guys from uh, Edward, James, Edward oh, James Olmos? From Mayans? Oh, man. I, I was... I, I, I was excited for mine because I, I mean, one of my all-time top five favorite shows was Sons of Anarchy, and obviously this was a spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. So they brought along the same characters, and uh, I was uh, I was stoked to talk to that guy. Now, again, it'll take a lot of editing because the guy like the most dropped about uh, four or five words we can't drop on the air, of which I don't even <laughs> think he said sorry for. Just I think he just kept talking. Um, he but, kept uh, it real. Yeah. I, I was excited. I was excited, Jared. I was excited. If we can't play it, just go ahead and uh, send it to me in a, in, in a file, and I'll just listen to it. So, wait, wait. You guys did an interview that we're not going to be able to play because they just simply cuss too much? One of the guys, yeah, one of the guys, it'd be hard. It'd be a hard edit. We'll just leave it at that. It, it has been. I'm telling you right now, if there is ever a movie that involves Southern California and Edward James Olmos is not cast in it, yeah. it's probably a diarrhea movie. I don't know who that is. He's an amazing actor. He's a really, He's really good uh-huh. actor. Now his face needs some work. No, but... no, no. That's that's a testament to how good of an actor right. he is. Because he's, he's so good. You're like, wow, his face doesn't look like stucco. It's it's the Tommy Lee Jones thing. Yes. But but even exaggerated after that, it's like Tommy Lee Jones and Seal. Yeah. <laughs> Those kind of scars. I do not recognize this guy. Oh, wow. You never, oh saw, you never saw American Me? Have you have you have you watched any movies or ever turned on a television? No. <laughs> like like resume. when it comes to like honestly like he is this, so he, this old guy right? He's, yes. He's in his seventies. He's very now? old, but he's yeah. so wise when he speaks. You're like, dude, tell me, give me knowledge, Edward. I don't I don't recognize he's, him at all. He's amazing. No, he doesn't. He's not real. Can't be popular. <laughs> I have declared him not popular. Uh, watch all Battlestar right. Galactica. All right, Ed. Thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. Right. Thank you, Gooch. Thank you. Later, bro. Take care. So there's Ed Grady. He'll be back on the show tomorrow. By the way, Jared won't be on the show tomorrow. Yeah, I just which I think will get us up to 10 straight days of not having me, you and Ed all together on the show, which is impressive. Yeah, very pretty, impressive. pretty good. Pretty all good. right, here we go. We got tickets Pokemon to go see Volbeat. Volbeat is coming to Las Vegas. Thankfully, uh, Gooch let us know they are a Danish rock band that's coming to las vegas but they speak english and not a bug type <laughs> pokemon uh volbeat coming servant of the road tour uh they're coming to the theater at virgin hotel las vegas friday march 4th if you want tickets 702-364-1100 is the phone number 702-364-1100 you want a pair of tickets to go see volbeat we'll take caller number six at 702-364-1100 Fourth and one, shotgun snap low, picks it up, left tackle block. Here comes Donald, and he spins Burrow around, who then tried to throw it away. The Rams celebrating on the near side. On downs, it goes to L.A. You're locked in the press box. All right, I've got two drama-filled Olympic stories. Yes. All right, first off, have you? we talked about last week, right, the Russian 15-year-old figure skater who uh, tested positive for a banned substance. 
No. All right, different. I think that was with Adam Candy, then not you. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, 15-year-old Russian figure skater. She's like the best in the world. She apparently tested positive for a banned substance back in December, and she is still going to be allowed to compete, though, in the Olympics, the individual figure skating competition. Um, she's still being allowed to compete in it. The They decided that it would cause her irreparable harm if they kicked her out, even though she broke the rules and tested positive for a banned substance. What? Like, yes, very confusing. There. Yeah, huh? But here it gets even more confusing. Like that's what happens when you test positive for a banned substance. Your reputation right. takes a hit. But here's the best part about it. The IOC has decided that if she finishes in the top three, and again, she's the favorite, she's probably going to finish in the top three. They're not going to do a medal ceremony. What? Okay. <laughs> so if she finishes like fifth, they're going to do a medal ceremony. If she finishes first, second, or third, they're not going to do a medal ceremony until the case has been concluded, even though she tested positive for a banned substance, and I, I, I don't understand why it's not concluded. That's what I'm saying. The, 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 it is concluded right now. Yes. And so, what was the banned substance? Uh, that I do not know. See, it starts scanning, with a T. Scanning this story. And That's usually it, where but. it gets weird, though, because some of these banned substances, it's like some of these athletes don't really know that they're taking it sometimes it's just eh, sometimes they're, they're russian i they know they're taking yeah you, you know what yes this is russia we're talking about here this is a different animal it's, and that's that's where you can't really i don't know i think if this is an american i think they would have banned it but i think with russia i just think they places like russia places like china that put so much stock into the olympics i just think that their athletes get a little bit extra treatment what do you say uh, probably you're wrong. Um, according, <laughs> Dude, I'm, to, according to this story, I'm trying to make sense of a story that makes no sense. Okay, according to the story from ESPN, the best I can do as to why they're doing this is because she's 15. Okay. And uh, being under the age of 16, you're a protected person, uh, according to the IOC and the Court of Arbitration. Like, it wasn't supposed to be publicized that she tested positive. Or took a band because she was fifteen. Because she's considered a protected person because of her age. That's the only thing I can really gain from this is that they're sort of treating her differently than because she's fifteen. If she was twenty five, maybe she's already on a plane back home. Well, I mean, especially. But then you know you can go ahead and compare this to Shikari Richardson, who got kicked out of the Olympics, the, the Summer Olympics, for testing positive for marijuana, which in no way right. is a performance right. enhancer <laughs> unless you are oh, running. And she, she turns left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it's a race to Taco Bell, maybe, you know what I mean? But then other than that, like, why is this even being discussed? And, you know, and, and again, like they're already trying to compare the two, you know, situations. We're talking about a 15 year old girl from Russia. And we're talking about somebody who is of age in America. It's, it's a little bit different, but it's just still just as stupid, just yeah. as ridiculous. Marijuana uh, should not be on the. <laughs> and, and this is there a, should be a separate Olympics. There for, should be a separate yeah, Olympics. Yeah, have to smoke yeah, you for Michael Phelps and all this, this. <laughs> and all the people like him. You know what I mean? Like get Ricky Williams back into this special type of Olympics. I want to see him what he can power lift now. Another drama filled Olympic story. Drama. Here's a headline: Snowboarders fed up with judging at Beijing Olympics. You have we have multiple snowboarders here that are basically yelling and complaining that the judges for Olympic snowboarding events, like the half pipes with tricks and everything, is not consistent and guys have been screwed. And 
Reading through this story, there have been two major instances. One where a guy did not complete one of his tricks, but the judges gave him a score as if he did complete one of his tricks. And then another one where a guy did a move, I don't know, a triple cork, which uh, had never been performed until then. And he did not get the highest score on that run uh, of anybody, even though everybody that knows anything about snowboarding apparently thought he would. But here's the amazing part. The judges in this have limited replays. Like they have to uh-huh. watch it live and try to give a score as quick as possible. And like they're not allowed what? to like go back That's and watch impossible. replays. I mean, do you ever watch like snowboarding and ice skating and stuff like that? Like th- the way they judge, we're talking about a fraction of an inch. And by the way, I'm a little I'm a little amazed that the snowboarders are more mad about the judges instead of the fact that marijuana is not legal for the Olympics. <laughs> it's like these are snowboarders we're talking about, okay? That is their Gatorade. So I'm just amazed though that like they're they're how are they not allowed to sit there and look at like 16 replays if they want? Like how are we we see the replays? On like we're watching it, we see the replays. I don't know what's happening, but the guys on TV sound like they know what's happening and explain what the tricks are. And you're telling me the people judging them and giving them scores don't get to watch those replays? Could you imagine just how incensed you would be if you were a fan of ice skating like you are of the NFL? Oh, I'd be furious. Yeah, and a, and a replay goes wrong. Yes. And I, that's a triple lots if I ever seen one. Right? Yeah. It, it, it's dumb. It's like the guy didn't do a trick and they gave him credit for it. There would That's just be stupid. videos of Tyler blasting his TV. 